What is happening, everybody? Welcome into this live post-show edition of the Pie Bomb Wrestling Podcast, the show that is for the fans, by the fans. I am your phenomenal host, Mr. Podcasting, Chris Belcher. Thank you so much for hanging out with us on a Sunday night. We know that it's late, and we apologize for that. But we got to get into covering all things from WWE Hell in a Cell. Um, but I could not do this by myself because it would be incredibly boring. I am a phenomenal host, but I'm not that phenomenal. Ladies and gentlemen, joining me as always is the young buck, my partner in crime, Mr. Andy York. Andy, what a show, man. I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, it's been a, it was a, a, a weird show altogether like the bill we talked about in the preview of like this was definitely a it seemed like a one match show one car like a one match card and uh and then everything just kind of broke loose today and there's a lot to talk about a lot to dive into and it became more interesting as the as we got closer and closer to it uh it definitely did uh lots of questions that really some were answered and some left us with more questions honestly so we're going to get into that we're going to break all of that down and we've told you on past episodes that we're trying to reel this guy back into doing more episodes with us. So we have reeled him in on a late night show for once. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us to help us review WWE Hell in a Cell. <laughs> we've reeled him in. <laughs> I don't like fishing, but you do. So whatever. Um, it's the whole <laughs> podcasting show. My brother from another mother, Jared Justice. What's the habs, man? How are you? Man, uh, I was planning to do like this intro thing that was going to be cool. And then I, I'm like that that crowd that we just saw, man. Like I'm speechless after that main event, dude. Uh, man, I mean, I saw several things tonight that my kind of made my jaw hit the ground. Uh, and, and Cody, and his physical condition was definitely one of them. We're going to get right into that, absolutely. But before we do, we want to make sure that if you are watching us live, thank you for doing that. We're taking your comments and your questions on the bodyslam.net YouTube channel and on Facebook. So make sure you are hanging out with us there. If you are new to the bodyslam.net YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button, hit the notifications bell. That way you know each and every time that a new episode of one of our shows drops. That way that you can, like I say, get notified and join in on all the fun. Make sure you are listening on Sportswire Radio. Support Tom and that crew over there. I know they would greatly appreciate it. And of course, if you are listening to us on a traditional audio format, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Give us a five-star review. We would appreciate it very, very much. All right, guys, let's get into it. Uh, I know Andy, like Andy said, it was kind of a one-match card or so we thought. Let's get into that one match first, and we'll see where everything else goes. The talk of the town, Andy, is we find out that Cody Rhodes is hurt. Um, at first, the reports that I saw coming out was uh, they gave him the night off last night, maybe to let him rest up and just see what was going on. Turns out he has a torn pectoral muscle, and but he's still going to do the match. And I don't think any of us realized how bad it actually was. At least for me, the entrance happened, and I knew when he didn't put that right arm up for the pyro, something bad was wrong. Then, Andy, he took the robe off, and there was just an audible gasp <laughs> in the crowd. It was crazy, man. Yeah, I. the only thing I can remember, anything remotely close to it, is uh, the match that we're not allowed to talk about because it makes Chris's head explode every time. That's but true. that Saudi yes. show when Triple, H, when Triple H tore his pec, and he posted that picture on instagram and you could see how the bruising was it looked exactly like that and the fact that he had that bruising and not only wrestled but like the match was amazing absolutely yeah. amazing i think the it's weird like i think the injury definitely added more to that match it definitely added something that was missing kind of from this feud and they already had two great matches at wrestlemania and then wrestlemania backlash and I was in person for the first match at WrestleMania. This was my favorite match of the entire trilogy. Was this? Wow. I I loved it. I I'm I'm not a huge Dave Meltzer fan. This better be five stars. Like th I think this is a five star <laughs> classic match because the storytelling in it was amazing. Seth coming out in the polka dots was perfect. 
Uh, Cody pulling out the bull rope and all of that. Like, all of it was just amazing. So I, I loved every second of it. And I tweeted it out afterwards. If you don't think Cody Rhodes is a top guy, he's been a top guy for a while. He showed everybody tonight and proved that he is a top guy. Yeah, you, you need to go reconsider your opinions if you don't think he's a top guy. That's for sure. And I, I'm surprised that this is your favorite of the three. But then again, I shouldn't be surprised because you're a, a blood, oh, guts, a, and violence kind of guy. A... <laughs> so I shouldn't be surprised by that at all. Uh, but yeah, I, I know that you think Meltzer should give it five stars. I guarantee you he's not going to. And he might say, if Cody wasn't hurt, I could have given it five stars. I might. I, I feel like he's going to say that. See, I think because of Cody's injury, it gets five stars. Like, okay. I think I think that plays a massive part in all of this. Jared, we talked on the phone just a few minutes before we recorded. You're in, you're in the medical field. You you know this stuff. You watch the Triple H and Shawn Michaels deal where Triple H tore his peck and all that kind of stuff. So, your instant reaction when Cody took off the robe. All right. So, a couple points I, I'm going to make. Um, so the first thing, like, whenever they first announced that Cody was coming out and he was going to do the match or whatever, and, but he tore his pec, I, I was definitely prepared to come on here and say, well, if he tore his pec, like, you would physically be able to, like, see that it's deformed. And I did not think it was going to be because I didn't think anybody was crazy enough to go in there with an actual fully torn from the bone is how they described it, pec. But, man, whenever he came out, like you said, he didn't raise his arm, and I thought, well, maybe he's still selling. And then he started taking that robe off, you know, and I started seeing that bruising, and I said, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> that thing is torn. Like, that's legit. And um, a point that Andy was making, um, the only thing that I can remember that reminded me of this, and I told this to you, Chris, was the gasp that went over uh, the audience. And I, that's the other match that we're not going to talk about. Uh, whenever that Undertaker lost at WrestleMania and the crowd just went silent. Yeah. And, I mean, you could hear a pin drop in that place, man. Um, but, dude, I mean, I just – I saw that. And, you know, Seth coming out in the polka dots, I was like, <laughs> really? <laughs> like, he's going to come out here and Seth's probably going to win. And he's making fun of this poor bastard's dad. <laughs> <laughs> and then I see that, like, this guy's pick is torn off the bone, which is what they said, but it's wrestling. So I figured they were just kind of, you know, kind of overhyping things. Mm -hmm. But, dude, I mean, that match was amazing. I don't know how the man did it, but if that doesn't prove to the old man, that being Vince McMahon, that this guy is, I mean, has balls of steel, I don't know what would. I mean, he's, you know, they, they talk about the old school guys proving, you know, going out there and proving that they could hang and that, you know, going out there hurt and all that stuff. Well, Cody did that, and he's the first one to do that in a long, long time. That's true, especially to that extent. That's for sure. Um, if you're yes. just now hanging out with us, uh, if you're a first-time guest, welcome to the show. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you follow us on social media at PBW Podcast. Again, we're taking your comments and your questions. Got one here on YouTube from Victor Nash. He says, not just Cody's injury, but the total disrespect from Seth with the polka dots. Uh, let's get into Seth for a minute because I don't necessarily think it was disrespect. From a character standpoint, yes. But, Andy, we have talked, and Jared as well, we have talked about the layers upon layers upon layers of this specific Seth Rollins character and what he has been able to do from a storytelling standpoint and the way he has just been able to get under people's skin over the last year, whether that was Cesaro at WrestleMania 37, whether that was the Mysterios with Rollins coming out with the question mark gear, whether that was Roman Reigns at Royal Rumble and the Shield stuff like... Andy, you and I talk about it all the time, but let's reiterate this. <laughs> Seth Rollins is on another freaking level, man. I we give a Cody a lot of props tonight because he deserves a lot of he deserves all the respect in the world. He deserves a lot of respect and props. You got to give it to Seth too. Like yep. Seth made Cody look like a million bucks with one arm. <laughs> Cody only has one arm, and he it was believable. Like I I there wasn't any point in time where I was like, okay. 
this looks rough or it's not believable that Cody would be able to do this to Seth with only one arm. Seth sold it perfectly. Um, so props to Seth. I think Seth is doing some of the best stuff. I said it on the preview show uh, beforehand, but when we were previewing it this past week, I think personally, and I'm biased because I've always been a big Seth fan. I am enjoying what Seth is doing now more than what Roman is doing. And so I, I think Seth right now is, especially now that Cody's out and Roman's taking a back seat and then some stuff. I think Seth's got to be the, the forefront guy. I mean, he, he deserves it. He put over edge last year. He put over Cody at the first part of this year. He deserves everything. And I think honestly, it becomes, it comes down to Seth and Cody now are two, the two forefront guys and the two only guys other than the rock that I could visibly and viably see beating Roman for the title. So Kudos to Seth for that. Uh, he worked his butt off. He definitely has proven that the Fiend Hell in a Cell match is not him in a Hell in a Cell match because he showed us with, with Edge that he was able to do it. Now he's shown us with Cody that it's he's just on a completely different level. Well, go ahead, Jerry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. About the whole polka dots thing. You know, Seth and Dusty were very close. And if it was somebody else besides Seth that was doing that, and portraying the disrespect for Dusty, I don't know that Cody would have went for it. But since it was Seth and Dusty was like a father figure in a way to Seth, I think it was a tribute to Dusty, even though it, it could be taken, you know, as kind of getting a jab in there at, at, at Cody too. Well, even even with the promo Seth cut on, on Raw this past week with Triple H, like I don't think if it was anybody other than Seth, I don't think Cody would have been fine with talking about smashing the throne and then Seth coming out in the polka dots. Like, Seth Rollins is the basically the wrestling child of Triple H and sort of of Dusty. Like Dusty and yes. Seth were super close. And so the fact that now Cody, who is Dusty's real son and obviously has had some beef with Triple H over the past, like all of that coming together, you couldn't write it any better. Organic storyline stuff that has come together is, is absolutely amazing. And this this is the perfect example of it. And Cody has said numerous times, yes, he has beef with Triple H, but at the same time, Triple H is one of his all-time favorite wrestlers. <laughs> so, you know, there, there's just that layer to it as well. Jared, talk about your um, talk about your feelings on Seth Rollins. And I know that you haven't been as closely following WWE stuff as Andy and I have, obviously. But just talk about what your feelings are with Seth Rollins and kind of expound on what Andy said about it. Um, I think that Seth has always had what it takes to be a top guy, and he's always kind of been kind of lingering right there. Um, you know, he uh, lost to Roman, I think it was, and he's lost a couple um, big matches that he's had recently. I mean, of course, he's lost to Cody several times. But um, what he did tonight, what he was able to do, and the way he was able to carry Cody through that match – I think shows kind of like what Andy was saying that especially now with Cody out of the picture for a little while at least that he is the only active roster wrestler that could viably um, and believably challenge Roman Reigns again and people would be interested and think oh my goodness Seth might win this and when Cody comes back he's going to have that same respect of okay, Cody needs to go after Roman because right. he's the only guy that can take this man down. Well, it's a perfect story, really, in that Cody's pec injury will probably take five or six months to heal, seven, depending on how long he heals. Uh, and that's just, you know, I'm judging that on a little longer than John Cena's supernatural recovery <laughs> and longer than Triple H's recovery from November to WrestleMania. And not to not to derail us too much, but I want to get one of Victor's Victor Nash commenting again on YouTube. Thank you, Victor. Um, want to get another one of his comments in here too because it pertains to exactly what we're talking about: dethroning Roman Reigns. And Victor saying in a clean one-on-one -on -one match, he can see Bobby Lashley getting the job done. Now I know that Lashley's been in kind of a weird uh, feud with Omos and MVP and everything, which the MVP story's fine. The Omos stuff has been garbage. If you've listened to our <laughs> podcast at all. You've, you know that we've crapped all over the Lashley on my stuff. But Lashley did, at the end of his match tonight, he grabbed a fan's WWE title and he kind of paraded around the ring with a little bit. So that just that shows that 
maybe later on in the fall headed towards the Royal Rumble, we might see Roman and Lashley. Uh, Jared, what's your thoughts on on giving that another go? I know we saw it a couple of years ago, but both men are totally different at this point. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the, the crowd popped. They went crazy whenever he grabbed that fan's uh, title. I oh, mean, man, so, he, was so, he was so over tonight. The crowd was yeah. so behind him. And, I mean, if you're getting that kind of reaction, then I don't know why you wouldn't throw him in there against Roman. I think it would be a good match. But the thing that I think you would need to do is tell both, both of them to go out there and don't hold back. I mean, right. I want to see some stiff shots. I want to see them throwing each other around. I don't want to see either one of them protected from the other. I want to see a good match. So and I, Andy, I think that to, would do it. to add to that point, because I'm taking the words out of your mouth, I just want you to expound on this. In <laughs> order for Lashley to have a viable feud against Roman Reigns, somebody's got to talk for the man. Because yeah. Bobby Lashley ain't going toe-to-toe with Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman on the microphone. Yeah, I completely agree. I think... I could I could believe Bobby Lashley being a contender for the title. I think he definitely needs to be built back up to a certain point because this Omos feud has definitely taken a lot from him. And we, we talked about it, I think, last week or a couple weeks ago that, like, Lashley was the face of Monday Night Raw somewhat during the pandemic. Like, yep. him and Drew were really carrying Monday Night Raw through the no-crowd era. And so I really think Bobby could have a chance of being built back up to that point and then taking on Roman and making it believable. Now, if Bobby's in the ring with Roman Reigns, I'm always going to think there's a chance Bobby could do it because of his size and stature and everything else. But if they want to like build him up to a Seth or to a Cody, they need to have somebody talk for him. He needs a mouthpiece. And if it's not MVP, I don't really know who you would get to kind of come in and, and do that for him. But he needs somebody. Otherwise, Paul Heyman's going to make him look so small going into that match. He's sure. going to make him look really weak really quickly. Our longtime supporter and friend Chad Fleener is joining us. Thank you, Chad, for hanging out with us. We appreciate it. And Chad made the comment on YouTube. He said, yeah, uh, the point that we just made, Bobby grabbed the title from, from the fan. And he got a huge reaction. Uh, Andy, you might not like this comment or this thought that I just have pop in my head when we're talking about <laughs> people talking for Bobby Lashley. What about the newly minted Max Dupree? Is that LA Knight? Bobby Lashley. LA AKA Knight. LA Knight. <laughs> I'm not calling him Max Dupree. I'm just going to call him LA Knight. I look, well, I would be fine with it because LA, LA Knight is great on the mic and he could, I think he could kind of not necessarily go toe to toe, but I think he could get a, a couple of really good shots in at Paul Heyman and at Roman. So I, I would be fine with it. I think, though, Bobby would work better as a face than as a heel going sure. into that. And, and so I, I don't I know if I don't know if L.A. Knight would fit that, especially with this whole male model manager thing that he is. I, I don't think he would fit that very well. But if they just completely dropped that and just added him with Bobby, then, yeah, that, that would be great. I think that would that would work really well. well Am I the only that. one that called that, um, which I don't know. I, I haven't been watching like you guys have. But I don't think the thing with Cedric is over. Could you pair him with Cedric and let Cedric talk for him? I, mean, I don't know how good Cedric can talk, but Lord knows it has to be better than Bobby. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. It is, it's, it's much better than Bobby. I think, I mean, that would that would work. That would be interesting, at least. And give, yeah, that, at least give Cedric something to do as well. Yeah, that uh, Jared, I, I don't think that storyline's over either. They wouldn't have had that little backstage segment after the match if the storyline wasn't over. So yep. that's a good catch by you there. Maybe something goes there. Let's go back to Cody and Seth because, like I said a minute ago, there are so many layers of this match that I feel like we need to uncover. I'm not saying the rest of the night wasn't important because we're going to get to the six-person tag match. Uh, we're going to get to some other things. But let's jump back to Cody and Seth for a minute. I find it so interesting that Corey Graves, his relationship with Dusty Rhodes is now coming out in Cody because Corey Graves, we talk about on the show all the time, is one of the best, if not the best, color commentators in the game right now, sitting right up there with Pat McAfee. But Corey Graves is such a heel, and he's such a prick to everybody except Cody Rhodes. And if you listen to the commentary tonight, like Corey was irate as you could feel 
his emotions coming through the screen as to what he was feeling with what was going on with Cody Rhodes. Jared, did you did you get that vibe at all? Have you noticed that with Corey? I honestly know because I haven't watched. I didn't I didn't really know that aspect of it. But now that I'm thinking back in my head, I know that like Corey Graves was on fire the whole time. I mean, everything he said was like somebody had lit a match or at the time in. Um, so, I mean, now that you said that, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he definitely did that. Andy, what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I – commentary sometimes to me is like it, it can make or break a match or it could take a really good match and put some bad moments in it or, you know, kind of take you away from it. Corey Graves was – was amazing tonight. Like he, this, he added so much to this match. He added, he was definitely in the mode, in the game, focused on everything. Everything he said was with intent and purpose, but not over the top. Yeah. Like it added so much to it. So I, I agree. I think he, he definitely let the emotion come out. He definitely was kind of in control of the match more than anybody else on commentary. And it worked perfectly. You could, you could feel the pain that he was going through watching Cody go through the pain and how excited he was when Cody started to fire up. And when he grabbed the sledgehammer at the end, the the passion that was in Corey's voice, like all of it was awesome. Yep. Certainly was uh, Victor chiming in. Uh, thank you again, Victor. Appreciate it. For those of you who are watching on YouTube, if you want to interact with us, just shoot us a comment. If you're watching on Facebook, shoot us a comment there. We appreciate it. Follow us on social media at PBW podcast. Uh, Victor chiming in again said Corey Graves isn't better than Michael Cole on commentary. Victor, I think the what we're talking about is Corey Graves being a color commentator versus Michael Cole being a play-by-play commentator. It's a little bit different. Uh, so I would agree with you in a sense of it's it's two different things. I don't think you could do Corey Graves on play-by-play, and I don't think you could do Michael Cole on color commentary. But shout-out to Michael Cole celebrating 25 years as a play-by-play announcer for WWE. And as they said on SmackDown, he's only missed two shows in 25 years. That is stupid ridiculous. <laughs> so no matter what your feelings are towards Michael Cole, kudos to that man and his dedication. Uh, but let's get back to the match real quick. Uh, Victor mentioned earlier about the bull rope. You guys both mentioned the bull rope as well. Andy, uh, you mentioned the sledgehammer. Just all of the different layers that went into this match. Heck, Cody fighting with one arm. You had Seth Rollins, man, at the beginning of the match when the figure four was on, when he pulled out the toolbox. I didn't know what was about to happen when he pulled that <laughs> toolbox out. The steps were used. Tables were used. Um, Cody, again, had one arm. Like, just everything that went in this, the false finishes. Andy, I'm not ready to say that this was the best match out of the three. Uh, Jared, I'll let you weigh in on that first. I'm not ready to say this is the best match out of the three, but, man, the storytelling of this match, Jared, I can't imagine what they had to take out because of injury, and then, like, what they replaced it with was just so perfect. You know what I mean? I mean, I definitely think it was the best match out of the three. I mean, um, on all of them, there was some emotion for me. Um, like whenever Cody first came back, I mean, that crowd roar and everything. But tonight, I mean, there was just so much like every time Cody got hit, I was like, oh, and, you know, I mean, you, ah, oh, man, I can't imagine the pain that, that that man was going through. And then, he, like like you all said, he, they pulled off what they did and Cody had one arm. Um, so it was like, uh, you know, Kurt Angle won the Olympics with a broken freaking neck. Well, Cody won this with one freaking arm. So right. it was insane. freaking Rollins. <laughs> Andy, I'll add one more layer to this before you weigh in. And this is something I didn't mention a minute ago. The other layer of this being in Chicago, the, the proverbial home of AEW, that yep. crowd was just losing their mind for Cody Rhodes. So I can imagine, Jared, I'm sure, like we talked about earlier, the drugs that had to be in Cody's system to get him through this match. But, man, Andy, that adrenaline in his soul was real. Well, I I agree. Uh, The crowd was hot for him. But there was also a point in time where the crowd was chanting, thank you, Rollins, as he was beating the crap out of Cody. 
So I, oh, I, I think that. it was, I think no, it was no, kind of. I, I think the thank you Rollins was when he got out the table because they had been, was it? They had been, yeah, they'd been yelling for tables all night because they yelled for it in the Madcap Moss match and they didn't get it. Okay, because so I, I thought he did it with a kendo stick, and then they started they started chanting "Thank you, Rollins" as well. They so may I, and, have, an, they may have, and I missed yeah. that one. But I remember that "Thank you, Rollins" chant when he pulled the table out. So I thought that yeah. was for. But go ahead. But sorry. like, no, you're good. Kudos to Corey Graves as well because he even said like, "We're in Chicago, where Cody made was a staple." Yep. During his time away from from WWE, so like yep. he didn't shy away from that fact as well. It was just all of it, the emotion, the storytelling, the injury, the the place, the timing, all of it. Like you you couldn't have written it any better. And so yeah. I this is my favorite match of the three. This is this is my match of the year right now. Like this Ooh. is my favorite match of the entire year wow. right now. I wow. and I don't know how they're gonna beat it. I don't know if anything's gonna beat it right now. This is my favorite match of the year. This is my one of my favorite Hell in a Cell matches of all time. Like I, all of it was just perfect, and, and not, you couldn't have done ready, it any better. You're not ready to put it over Triple H. I'm not putting it over Triple H and, and Undertaker <laughs> yet, but it's close. I mean, it's 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 right up there with it. It's one of my favorite matches. So I I loved it. Man, I uh, I don't know if I'm ready to say it's my favorite of the three. I think I need to go back and watch them just just because I don't know. But in any event, Victor commented and said that, of course, as we all can agree, 100% Cody and Seth stole the show. They were set up to steal the show. Cody had one arm, and he still stole the freaking show. So the dude is a superstar. And, I mean, the fact that this is core, like this was Cody's first main event ever. Like, he never main evented an AEW pay-per-view. He never main evented really any other pay-per-view. He did one. Was that uh, the Jericho the one with Dustin? World title match. No, the Jericho World Title match. Was it? Okay. But this was nope. his first like WWE main event. Yes. Injury, all of it. He hadn't really main evented a whole lot other as well and just killed it. Absolutely killed it. Uh, I will say one other thing, kind of calling back, because we talked about, you know, this. I think Cody did this not to show us that he deserves respect, but I think he did this more to show vince that he is a main player ready to stay and there's a reason why guys like triple h were on top for so long is because they worked through injuries and when they came back they were added right back to their spot because he knew they were reliable and i think tonight cody proved that yeah i'm injured i was injured but you can always trust me to at least finish what i started and i he absolutely did that jared any more to add to this cody and seth stuff before we kind of move on and see what's what else is on the rest of the card well, I mean, everybody talks about, like, um, CM Punk's pipe bomb and then MJF's version of the pipe bomb that just happened. And I think that those were make-or-break moments for those men. And I think that tonight, this was Cody's make-or-break moment, and he made it. So, I agree with that. Uh, my dad is joining us on YouTube. Thank you, dad, for always throwing shade at us and telling us that we're Corey Graves marks and he can't hold a candle or a light rather to Pat McAfee. Um, I agree with that statement, it's, but it's really Andy. Stop it. You know that he can. Pat McAfee is the best Pat. commentator in pro wrestling right now. So it is, it is one a and one B right now. It is like, I, to me, they can interchange with each other i'll yeah. tell you this i'll say this there wouldn't be a spot for pat mcafee to be at had it not been for Corey graves mm, i don't know about that i'm just saying i don't know about that okay well pat mcafee's got too much pat mcafee's got too much star power to not be in that position whether there was a Corey Graves or not. But I see what you're saying as well. Pat McAfee couldn't have told that story tonight like Corey Graves. Oh, no, 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 no. So, I th- again, I think it's – I think it – It depends right. on the match. It does. You're right. Uh, if it's a bloodline match, I want Pat McAfee all over it. If it's, if it's a Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs entrance, you better have Pat McAfee. Boogs. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, if you're just now joining us, thanks for hanging out with us. This is the Pipe Bomb Wrestling Podcast. We are live on the Bodyslam.net YouTube channel and on our Facebook page. Leave us a comment. Leave us a review. 
hang out with us. Let us know your thoughts on Hell in a Cell. We will do our best to get to your comments and address everything. Thank you for hanging out with us. If this is your first time, especially, uh, we drop new episodes every Monday and Thursday. Follow along with us wherever you find your podcast. And again, social media is at PBW Podcast. All right, let's jump from the end of the night to the beginning of the night. A barn burner to open the show. Jerry, I'm going to throw to you first. Asuka, Becky Lynch, and Bianca Belair. Triple threat match for the Raw Women's Championship. An unbelievable way to start the show. Oh, man. I mean, everything that they attempted, they hit perfectly. I mean, um, with with Belair doing all those flips and jumping over people, and I mean, just – it was insane. I kept waiting for one of them to mess up, and none of them did. Um, yeah. I thought that that was like a picture-perfect match. Um, they kept my interest the whole time, which is something I can't always say about women's matches anywhere. I mean, uh, you had a, a long time where they did, um, and then it was kind of like things started falling off with the women's division. But man's not. I mean, they put it right back up there on the level with everything else. Andy, we didn't get to see the double KOD like we hoped we would, <laughs> but man, that didn't take away from the match. It was, man, so good. So good. And credit to all three women. Like they went out there and they, they almost stole the show. They really almost stole the show. If, if Cody and Seth hadn't been as great as it was, I honestly, after watching this match, I thought, especially with the Cody injury and everything, there's no way the main event's going to deliver compared to what we just got with this triple threat. They absolutely killed it. Uh, We talked about it like we kind of were iffy on who was going to walk out the winner. I'm glad Bianca didn't lose the belt. I think it's too soon for her to to lose it, especially after being the first one to pin Becky in like two years, years, two, three years, something like that. I think for her to lose it two or three months after winning it would be way too soon. So I'm glad she didn't lose it. I think we're going to continue this Becky-Oscar thing a little further um and i kind of hope becky stays away from the title picture for a little bit let bianca kind of do some other things maybe with Rhea, um going towards uh money in the bank and SummerSlam. but i loved it i absolutely loved this match bianca really impressed me in this match and uh anybody that listens to this podcast knows i'm not a huge fan of her gimmick but she's athletic she can wrestle she continues to improve each and every time that she's out there you put her in the ring with two stars like this. Um, it was it was incredible. It really was. Jared, I'll throw this out to you. Andy just mentioned that he wants to see Oscar and Becky kind of go their own way and Rhea tackle Bianca for the Raw Women's title. What I threw out on the show last week, because Andy brought that up as well, what I threw out is at WrestleMania, we unify the WWE and the Universal Championship. We have one champion, Roman Reigns. Here recently, we've just unified the tag team titles. One champ, Usos. Next is unifying the Raw and SmackDown Women's Championship. Do you, would you, obviously, that right now stands to be Bianca Belair versus Ronda Rousey. I, I don't know that I'm ready to see that. I said I would have rather seen Becky Lynch somehow come out of tonight with the belt. That way we finally get Becky and Ronda and we unify the titles that way. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, I think that you can keep building and do Becky and Ronda finally where it needs to be at WrestleMania. Um, So I would keep holding off on that, even though I do think that will be an incredible match. But um, I think Bianca and Ronda, I mean, that's one that as of a little while ago, I wasn't really that interested in. But now after seeing um, what Bianca can do, and Ronda has had a few matches to kind of maybe get some of that ring ring rust back off and kind of get to where she feels good about herself. You know, she's made comments about that she didn't feel good about the way she looked after her pregnancy when she came back. And confidence, man, that can take you a long way. And if she's not fully confident, um, you know, that can make her not have as good of a match as what she's capable of. But as things are going on, she's had some more matches. She's had some more time to kind of work on ever how she wants to look that will make her feel the most confident. And so, I mean, I would love to see that match. I think you'd go ahead and do it now. Yeah. I, I'm of the mindset, look, you know, Cody just got hurt. 
it, I know that you want to build matches to the biggest stage possible, but if you've got the people there, try to capitalize on it as soon as you can. You've still got three stadium shows coming up soon. I mean, who's to say that you can't have them at SummerSlam and then run it back at WrestleMania? I mean, who's to say you can't have it twice? You know what I mean? Um, Andy, my dad's commenting. I don't know if you can see it or not. I saw it. We're, we're talking about the women's division, so you, you can guess w- what what he's throwing yeah. out. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm i fine if Charlotte never comes back uh, because <laughs> I, I'm so done with her. Like, I... She does not need to be in a title picture ever again. I think, at least for a while, it needs to be. It needs to be a good little while because she held that thing hostage for way too long. Anyways, uh, I agree though. Like I, I, I agree with Jared. I would love to see Bianca versus uh, Ronda because that's something we've never seen before and never really even thought of before until sure. until kind of recently. Um, and I, you know, I've been very vocal about this, uh, since it didn't happen at WrestleMania, I, I'm not really interested in seeing Becky and Ronda right now, um, because of the fact that it should have happened at WrestleMania this past year. And instead we got Charlotte Ronda, which nobody really wanted to see or ask for it. And so, cause the hot thing would have been Becky Ronda, bring that back, let that be the first thing right out of the gate for Ronda kind of pick up where she left off. Um, so I, I agree. I think that match needs to take place at a WrestleMania if it ever happens. Um, because I feel like it's that big of a match to take place there. And I don't think you could, I don't think you'd be really doing it justice if you waited any longer or if you, or if you waited, if you did it at SummerSlam and didn't wait longer for it to take place at WrestleMania. Uh, Victor chiming in and agreeing with you guys, Becky Ronda at WrestleMania. And I agree. I mean, that, obviously, that is the biggest. That's the biggest stage to have the biggest match. I just, you're going to lose the interest that's there if you don't capitalize on it sooner rather than later. Nobody's, it's like, it's like Hangman Adam Page winning the AEW championship a year and a half after he probably should have won it. You know, sometimes it, you wait too long and it doesn't go the way you want it to go. Yeah. Granted, though, I think we're past that with Ronda and Becky as well. Like, I think we, I think the ship yeah. has kind of sailed on the excitement of, on the hype of that match. Because if it would have yeah. happened at WrestleMania 35 as a straight up one on one and not a triple threat, you know, I think, I think it would have been, it would have worked completely better for both women and would have been a massive, just as big of a moment for Becky. And then you could run it back as soon as Ronda came back. So I think. I think it's we're past that point with it, but if it if it's going to happen, it has to happen at WrestleMania. Well, well Jared, we, we were wait we we were in the building right. for that. I know you're going to add to that, but we were in the building for 35 for that triple threat match, that massive moment for Becky. I think to Andy's point, you could argue that if it was just Becky and Ronda, the moment would have been bigger than adding Charlotte in there. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. Um, I was going to make a quick point, and then I'll get to that. Um, sure. But you brought up Hangman, and I was going to make the point earlier that Bianca is almost at a point in her career that it seems like Hangman's at. They have everything, and they they put on a, a good match. They go out there, and, and, and it's balls to the wall, but there's just something missing with her character. And maybe if she has a few more matches – even if it's with Ronda or, or whoever, we can elevate her up to where that she needs to be and fill in that gap of whatever it is that she's missing. And I can't put I can't put my 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 thumb my thumb on it. Same way I can't put my thumb on what's missing with Hangman. But um, anyways, going back to what what you said, Chris, um, I do think that Becky versus Ronda will be a much bigger match and it would have been a much bigger match when they finally go one-on-one but you kind of built this up and it should have happened you talk about things that should have happened that should have happened at what 35 and it didn't happen so now people were still saying just like we're talking about right now well what's going to happen when you get those two one-on-one how awesome is this going is it going to be and that kind of goes back to the point i was making about i think it's best to save it for a mania um, sure. you know, I, I think they still both are in pretty good shape. They're both fairly young. You can risk kind of waiting. You don't want to risk waiting on rock versus Roman, something like that. If it's going to happen anytime soon, because rock probably doesn't have long left, but these two girls, I think they probably do. Well, and rocks a natural. I think it's a totally different situation. Whereas rock can be away for however long he's been away. 
Rock can get back in the ring, work out for about a month, and all right, I'm ready to go. I can go have a banger of a match. Whereas Ronda Rousey, I know that we wanted to see her and Becky this past Mania, but I almost think it, it's good to get six months to a year under her belt of getting back used to the the callus that you have in the ring and the timing that you have in the ring. Then you get to WrestleMania where you get the best version of Ronda possible against Becky Lynch and maybe the match quality lives up to the, the personal rivalry and that sort of thing. Well, so Rock hurt that, himself pretty bad last time. Uh, he did. He tore his pec too, I think. That's true. Yeah. And he finished he tore like some abdominal muscles. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's let's move on. Let's talk about uh the six person tag match. Judgment Day, Edge, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley against AJ Styles, Finn Balor, and Liv Morgan. Judgment Day getting the win again tonight. Andy building the faction. No turns, just a clean win. Um, I feel good about it. The match was great. I thought it was really, really good. Um, but where do we go with Judgment Day from here? Like, I know we're building it, but, man, I don't know. I'm like Jared with Hangman and with Bianca. Something is missing from Judgment Day, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, I I think honestly where we're going to go from here is I think Priest is going to be in, involved in the Money in the Bank match, and I don't think Edge. I think Edge is probably going to be there, but sit out Money in the Bank for a while um, because he. I don't. I don't think he wants to be a part of that. Honestly, I think at SummerSlam we're heading towards Edge and Cena, and so I think that whole thing oh, is going to be taking place there. I don't know. I I really like this match. Part of me thinks so that maybe some things changed after AJ got busted open massively over the forehead. Um, did you see what happened with that? I missed it. All of a sudden, I look and he's just got blood gushing from his forehead. So I don't know if he hit a. I don't know if he hit the post or if he if he did anything. But he's bled twice now against Edge, and the first time nobody even touched him. So I I don't know what the the problem is between those two. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think we're done with Edge and AJ. Like I really think we're done with Edge and AJ for a while. I think part of me thinks Edge, AJ kind of looks kind of bad after this whole feud. Like I, AJ is not where he once was, and he has fallen off a lot. It seems like not wrestling, not anything like that, but just it seems like in the eyes of the company, he has fallen back some. Um, and so I, I hope some other things start to happen for him and I hope he kind of walks away from judgment day for a little bit. Um, and I don't know. I, I just, I think judgment day is kind of all over the place right now and they they need to figure out where they're going in the direction. And if the next direction is against Cena, then I think that's a great way to go. Jared, what's your thoughts on, on what you've seen from judgment day and, and the match tonight and all that kind of stuff? I agree. Um, I think something's missing. I think their overall presentation is really good. Like, I think they all kind of fit with what you would think Judgment Day is supposed to be, you know, based on the presentation that it seems like they're trying to give. Um, but I think the only way that you move forward with them is to let them stay together and help each other and still have some matches here and there, you know, uh, one of the men team up with, with uh, Rhea against, you know, another man and a woman or something like that. Or maybe uh, Damien and Edge team up against two guys or, or what have you. But I think they all need to split up and go after some titles individually is the only way that you can build that faction from here. Because Edge is just too big of a name to not go after, still go after the best of the best in the singles division. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think – I think Andy made a great point with, with Cena. We could be heading that way. I just feel like that before those guys' career is over, we need to see that match one more time. SummerSlam. Um, and, and SummerSlam in Nashville, Tennessee, where we're all three going to be in the building, <laughs> would be the best place to have that match. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it. Um, our boy Chad Fleener made a couple of good comments on YouTube. Again, if you're watching What's this up, on Chad? YouTube, thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. We appreciate it. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notifications bell. Um, make sure that you are following along with us on social media at PBW Podcast. If this is your first time with us, 
thank you for hanging out with us. We appreciate it very much. Uh, Chad said 100%. He, he said AH, but I'm pretty sure he means AJ. Uh, has been uh, some bad cards in the last year. He's been dealt some bad cards in the last year, which I can agree with. Uh, the Omos thing was uh, was a failed experiment, really. AJ was doing some good work by himself, but he didn't. They didn't get Omos over like they wanted to. Let's put it that way. Uh, AJ was doing fine in the handicap matches, but it was what it was. Like Andy said, as far as the wrestling is concerned, nothing wrong with uh, with AJ. I don't know. Like, with this Edge stuff, I feel like that I don't think he's lost any great good graces in the company because I don't think they would have put him with Edge had that been the case. Now, is he in the world title picture like I believe he should be? No, he's not. But I still think that you're putting him in there in main event caliber situations. Now, whether that works out every time or not, I don't know. Maybe that does fall on AJ, but I still think they're putting him in, putting him in some okay positions. Yeah, I... My only thing is, and I know it doesn't really matter to Vince and WWE, but it's kind of matters to the fans because I think we we could very quickly start to head the same way with Seth if we're not careful. Sure. Is that if if guys start losing on pay per view every single time, then they're not really going to be believable to win. Like that was, yep. I bring him up often on the podcast, but that was one of the issues with Bray Wyatt for so long is because he was doing great stuff on the weekly and then we get to the pay-per-view and he was always losing on the pay-per-view because he was, he, he just never won on pay-per-view really. And so AJ hasn't won on pay-per-view since last year. It's been a year since he's won on pay-per-view. Seth hasn't won on pay-per-view this whole year. And so they got to start racking up some wins on these pay-per-views to kind of build themselves back up. Otherwise they're just going to keep sliding back down in the eyes of the fans as you know, Okay, they're just out there to make somebody look good, which is not bad. But, you know, we would like to see AJ and we'd like to see Seth win some matches here and now. Right. Uh, Jared, let's talk about another person that has seemingly fallen fallen back in the good graces of the company, the fans. I don't know what it is. Chad made the comment about Rhea Ripley being the same way. She went from feuding with Charlotte Flair, with Bianca Belair, Asuka, and now it seems like she was saddled in the tag division for a little while. Now she's getting the spotlight in judgment day. I don't necessarily, I'm not going to say Chad that I don't agree with you because I do think that Rhea is not the Rhea that she was, especially a year and a half ago. But I think this judgment day change of character for her is exactly what she needs. I think we just need to give it a little bit of time and see what comes of it. I think she's in a good position now. What What do you think, Jared? Yeah, I agree. She's in a good position right now to become far more than what she has been on the main roster. Um, but it goes back to, and, uh, you know, I, I know that Chris is probably going to chime in because I'm insulting WWE. But it's like a lot of these people that come up from NXT, it's like they want to drag them through the mud before that they put them back or try to even put them back to where mm -hmm. they once were in NXT. And I don't know why for the life of me that Vince wants to do that. You know, I mean, I know that a lot of people don't watch the NXT product, especially now, but they did. A lot of people did watch it. Why couldn't you just bring that character up? Let them continue to be the same character that they were and don't drag them through the mud before you give them a shot. Why, why, you know, do you want to tear down what was already built? Um, it just doesn't right. make sense, but it seems like that's what she's going through. Well, that that's that's the hot button on this podcast. If we could all find out the answer to that question, <laughs> we would be rolling in it because that's that is the magical question. Like, why do you not try to capitalize on that success? Andy, there's only been I can count them on one hand the people that have come up from NXT who they've sort of left alone in some way, and they've actually succeeded. Yeah, I think there have been cases where, like, they left them alone and they succeeded. There have been some other cases where people who didn't do great in NXT are now thriving on the main Alexa roster as list. well. Becky Lynch. Like, Becky Lynch was, wasn't 
she was good in NXT, but she wasn't. We never saw what we have now with Becky Lynch coming in NXT. Alexa but I agree. Bliss like ne- Alexa Bliss yeah. never had a takeover match, and she's a five-time no. women's champion. Yeah, and I, I, uh, Bianca Belair never won the NXT title and women's title. Now look at her. But I will say, I yes, you can smirk, Jer, but it's true. <laughs> <You're saying. laughs> she still sucks. Ahead, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, but I will say like with Rhea especially like I was I was in the building in Chicago in 2019 during Survivor Series when she was the hottest thing in the entire company on both the main roster and in NXT like when she during War Games she was the most over person in the in the entire match on the uh, elimination women's match or whatever she was the most over person in that match as well she could have been on the same level as the four horsewomen when she came up, she should have been on the same level. And when she lost to Charlotte at WrestleMania 37, it seemed like everything kind of just went downhill or WrestleMania 36. It seemed like everything just kind of went downhill for her. Same thing for Shayna Baszler. Like Shayna Baszler should have won at WrestleMania 36 and should have been this killer champion. But now look at her. She's, you know, not even really in the tag division anymore. She's nowhere to be found half the time. So, that part is really frustrating, especially when you know, like, they have what it takes to be. They could potentially be the face of your of your division or a mainstay in your division, and you're just kind of letting them go to the side. That'll enjoy this. I will give props to Charlotte Flair because she is one of those they did bring up from NXT, and she has succeeded. Um, whether that's because of her last name or whatever. But she did get brought up from NXT. She has succeeded. The other one being Kevin Owens. I mean, there have been times where we haven't agreed with his storylines, but the man is the same character he was in NXT. He hasn't changed, and he's much better for it. And he, again, is one of the mainstays on the main roster and always doing great stuff because guess what? If he wasn't, they wouldn't have put him in the main event of WrestleMania with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Let's just be real. So there, there are very few NXT success stories. I wish we could find more, but we really can't. Uh, guys, we've gone almost an hour, uh, so let's kind of let's kind of start winding down this. I know we didn't talk about all the other matches. Um, Jared, give me some quick thoughts on some of the other matches. Anything that caught your eye? Maybe in the Madcap Moss versus Baron Corbin, Austin Theory and Ali. Uh, Kevin Owens in Ezekiel and Lashley MVP at Omos. Anything of those four matches kind of stand out to you? Anything that impressed you? I thought uh, Madcap Moss and Byron Corbin, I thought that they did really good compared to what I was expecting. Um, This was, this was going to be a bathroom break for me. And they ended up, um, they kind of kept my attention. And I was like, okay, these guys are doing pretty, pretty daggone good. Um, so yeah, that, that was probably the one, um, Austin theory against Ali. It was what it was. Yep. I kind of was expecting a little more. I thought that maybe there would be another couple big risks that were taking or were taken that would hopefully have paid off. Um, but that's about it really. Yeah. I kind of thought, I mean, I know they don't always treat their people well in their hometown, but I kind of thought Ali might win the title here. But, again, Andy, like we've said on the podcast, I'm waiting on that John Cena match for Austin Theory, so it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, um, and and I plus with the whole Ali thing for the last, like, two years, year and a half, I, I don't think there's any way they're going to put a title on him. And I don't think they want to deal with the headache if, like, not being able to control him because he's he's the type of guy that you're not going to be able to control anything he says or does. So I think that was part of it. Andy, anything to you stand out in those those four matches? I agree with Jared. I thought Madcap Moss and Happy Corbin, I thought that was a fantastic match. Uh, I'm interested to see if this injury to Happy Corbin, if it causes them to write him off TV for a couple weeks and what we get on the other side of that. But Weigh in on the other matches as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Matt Cat Moss and Happy Corbin definitely shocked me more. I mean, you were sitting next to me in Dallas, Texas, when I was visibly ill when he won the uh, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. And that is true. I, you know, I can sit here and say I was wrong about that. Like, that was a good call because he, in the, mo- in the weirdest way ever, has gotten over 
big time with the crowd, with everybody. Like, he was over tonight after he beat Corbin. So uh, that part is crazy. And then Kevin Owens is just a national treasure. Like, Kevin Owens just – I he needs to be – I would be fine if he beat Theory for the title. Uh, I would be fine if he went to SmackDown and beat Ricochet for the IC title, even though I think Walter is going to do that this week. Yes, he but is. I, I, Kevin Owens is amazing. I mean, he turned something that should have never worked with Ezekiel and has made it into something that was actually entertaining every single week and something I look forward to. So just kudos to Kevin Owens for all of that. Jared, I can't wait to get your thoughts on this. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I wasn't going to talk about any of that, but I did know <laughs> this one thing. <laughs> I did know of this course one you weren't. You threw in that comment about John Cena and Austin Theory. Did you notice that whenever the Austin Theory came out, that I think it was Corey Graves made the comment, ruthless aggression. Mm. And I thought, hmm, is that kind of a little bit of an Easter egg about <laughs> they are leading up to him and Cena? I don't know. Well, Corey, Corey Graves was the one planting all the Easter eggs about Cody Rhodes, so well, it would not shock me. And over the weekend, Cena was doing an interview, and they asked him who his favorite WWE superstar is right now, and he said Theory. So, and then he did like the he did that to the camera. So I, I think we're either heading there, at Money in the Bank, or SummerSlam. I think those are one of the two options for it. I gotta hope that it's Money in the Bank so that we could have a shot to get Cena and Edge. Or you know what, guys, we're forgetting that we have two overseas stadium shows coming up after SummerSlam. If you can get John Cena for those, that's probably where you're getting your John Cena edge match is probably. either in England or in Saudi. As Saudi. sad as that is, that's probably where that's going to happen. I could also, uh, though, see Cena taking on Theory at Money in the Bank and then Edge costing Cena to kind of let Theory win but also keep Cena strong, and then maybe that happens at SummerSlam. But that yeah. could also happen at SummerSlam as well. Absolutely. Jared, give us your thoughts briefly. I know I kind of gave you crap about it. Give us your thoughts real quick on Kevin Owens and Ezekiel and, and this storyline. How do you feel about it? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just so ridiculous. I mean, it, it is kind of funny, I guess, but, man, I don't know. It's just I watch <laughs> it, and I'm like, why, why am I being subjected to this? But Because it it's amazing. It it's amazing. <laughs> it's so good. I love it so much. If, if they if they would have had any kind of if they planned anything out, which they don't, then they would have had um, Elias do a bunch of skits with while he still had his friggin' beard, and then use that now and had like you know Elias pop up on the screen while Ezekiel's out there and said something, and then Kevin Owens be like. This is not the same person, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but they don't yeah. point anything, so. Yeah, but still, it, it's comedy gold. I love it. It's great. Uh, Kevin Owens winning is very interesting to me. I'm anxious to see where they take that. It's very, very good. Um, guys, let's get ready to put a bow on this. I think we've, I think we've pretty much covered uh, what we could cover from this pay per view. Uh, any final thoughts, uh, Andy, before we wrap up and, and sign off for this episode? Uh, not really, just kind of reiterating that Cody is uh, a freak <laughs> and he should not have done what he did tonight, but he did it because he was trying to prove that he is who he always says he is and how much dedication he has to us fans. So thank you, Cody, for all of that. And uh, yeah, it was it was a great night of wrestling, thoroughly entertained, and you know I really enjoyed it. Cody Rhodes is getting nothing but love from the Pipe Bomb Wrestling Podcast, that's for sure. Jared, I'll throw to you in just a second. Speaking of Cody Rhodes, my takeaway from tonight that I want to throw in that I haven't got to mention yet is shout out to Cody Rhodes for putting our buddy Rosario Grillo <laughs> in his workout video <laughs> on the pre-show. Yeah, boy Rosario Grillo from TSF was on WWE television tonight. It was pre-recorded, but that's okay. He was on there, so shout out to those guys. I texted him as soon as I saw it, and he was like, yeah, yeah, that was me. So shout out <laughs> to him. Shout out to Cody. That's awesome that he was on WWE television tonight. Jared, any final thoughts, any takeaways before we sign off, ma'am? Well, I mean, the only thing that I want to bring up, and of course it's going to be a shot at WWE, 
and I want y'all's opinions on it or anybody that's out there listening. But why, okay, you hear all this stuff about people getting cleared for the match. This person can't get cleared, and this person can't get cleared. So how in the blue hell did Cody get cleared <laughs> to do this match? If any of that holds any weight, how did that man get cleared? The Please only thing the only thing I can think of, and I'm not a medical professional, and I'm not even close to claiming to be a medical professional. Yeah, Jared, you're you're the one with the most medical knowledge here. Why don't you? He shouldn't have been cleared. That he should not the, have been cleared. The only thing I can think of is maybe he couldn't do any more damage to it. That was that's already done. That's not true. And I, I don't think I did. That's what I was thinking. So I maybe he just said, I don't care if I'm cleared or not. I'm still going out there and you can stop me. You'd have to try to stop me. And I, I don't know. But that was my biggest question kind of going through it is I don't I don't understand how he is cleared to do this right now. No. But I don't, I don't know either. I don't know. I I think I, I think I lean towards what Andy said. You know, you sign this guy for big money and this multi-year deal, and he's the main event right now. He's the main event of this show, and he probably went to him and said, "Look, this is the culmination of this feud. This is my first main event of a pay-per-view. I don't care how injured I am. We'll work around it. I need to go out there. I'll go have surgery tomorrow. You know, and if." He may have signed some sort of waiver. Like, look, if I do further damage to myself, that's on me. I'm. That's not on you guys. And then he hits I, a I Cody cutter five seconds into the match. <laughs> right. So I don't. I don't. I don't. He did say. I, I did see where after the show went off the air, he cut a promo saying he's going to talk about his injury tomorrow on Raw oh, or tonight okay. on Raw. If you're listening to this later, um, but that he also said this was fully his decision. Like nobody forced him to come out there. It was his call. It was his decision. And he was not gonna not he wasn't gonna let anything stop him from coming out there and having that match. So But Vince clearly approved it or right. else, you know, because I mean that spot was left open in the main event for this yeah. man. So Vince had to get the stamp of approval. Yeah. So I'm just saying, whenever we hear this petty crap in the future about this person's not cleared, that person's not cleared, I will always bring it back to this because that well, man should not have gone out there. And they gave AEW a lot of flack for Matt Hardy kind of getting his head bell rung and finishing the match as well. So I think, I think it's everybody is at fault for doing this at some point. And it's just, it's going to happen. It shouldn't have happened. And, but the match we got was amazing, but I just hope he didn't do anything worse to keep him out for longer. Like that would, that's, that's the worst case scenario right now is now he's out for like a year because he did so much damage to it or something like that. That that's like right. the worst case scenario. But daggum, we're sitting here talking about it. Cody Rose is getting nothing but love from us here on this podcast. Kudos to him for what he went out there and did. Not many wrestlers would go out there and do that and prove that they're as good as he is and on top yeah. of their game like he is and with as much heart as he did. And to go out there and wrestle for 35 freaking minutes with one arm. Come on, bro. Um, nobody, nobody has taken a shot with those uh, ring steps like what Cody did into that injured shoulder since Mick Foley did whenever his shoulder was dislocated in that hell in the cell with Undertaker. So yes, much well, love to Cody. And even well, the kendo, like even the kendo shot straight to that <laughs> that back area. Like I ugh. just thinking about it, like my arm just twitched. So like I, I, I don't know how he got through it. I don't either. I don't either, but we'll look forward to hearing from Cody Rhodes on Monday Night Raw. But again, much love to Cody Rhodes. Thank you for your effort. Uh, it will always be appreciated by us. And let me tell you, if you're listening to this, whether you're live or whether you're listening to us back recorded, first of all, thank you for doing it. Second of all, if you're not backing Cody Rhodes, if you're not a Cody Rhodes fan, if you got something against Cody Rhodes, Go watch the effort this man put forth tonight. And if you don't gain another level of respect for him, there's something wrong with you. That That's just, yep. that is this that's man true. putting his life yep. and his career on the line for his family, for his friends, and for his fans, and for his dad. That's exactly what he did yep. tonight. Yep. And I, I don't think there's anything else that we can say to, to drive that point home any further. So that's going to do it. 
For us here on the Pipe Bomb Wrestling Podcast, thank you for hanging out with us. Wherever you are listening or watching, hit that subscribe button, hit the notifications bell, give us a five-star review. We appreciate it. Follow us on social media at PBW Podcast. We appreciate it very much. Jared, as always, man, thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate yes, it. Yes, sir. Glad Andy, to do it. As, Andy, as always, thank you for being here. We will catch you guys on Mondays and Thursdays coming up this week, of course. Um, and don't forget to check our social media at PBW Podcast for a big announcement coming about the PBWF, Five Bomb Wrestling Federation. That is coming very, 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 very soon. All right. For Jared Justice, Andy York, my name is Chris Belcher. Thanks for hanging out with us. We will catch you guys down the road. <laughs>